Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Athletes. My name is Michael Raziel. I'm your host to the show where I get to interview Olympic athletes on their story and path to the games. Today, we have three-time Olympian Brian Hansen of long track speed skating. Uh, Brian won a silver medal at the Olympics, which is pretty incredible in 2010. Um, Brian has, as I said, been to the Olympics three times, so he has a pretty incredible story, what he's done, how he's gotten there, what he is now doing um, kind of in his post-career career, may I say. Um, but I really hope you guys enjoy this interview. Brian was so much fun to talk to, really gives a lot on what it was like going to three different Olympics, what he did at each one, how each of them compared and contrasted to each other, and really what he, um, what he got out of the whole experience. I think it's pretty incredible. So one more time, Brian Hansen, long track speed skating. All right, today, special guest, three-time Olympian, Brian Hansen. Long track speed skating. Brian was born September 3rd, 1990 in Glenview, Illinois. Uh, as I said, he's a three-time Olympian. He actually won a silver medal while he was there the first time, correct? 2010? Yep. 2010. So he was there in 2010, 2014, and most recently 2018. Brian's been speed skating since he was about seven. He attended the University of Colorado Boulder, and he has nine medals in World Cups alone. Brian, thanks for hanging out with us today, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No, no, no. It's all my pleasure. I promise you that. So, Brian, if you don't mind, I guess just kind of giving us a nice little rundown on kind of how you got into speed skating and how you got so darn good at speed skating, too. Um, so, you know, I learned to skate from a pretty young age, probably like four or five. We were on skates. But, um, you know, then I got into hockey um, and a family friend actually recommended we try speed skating because we lived in the right area for it. Um, you know, not all places throughout the U S offer speed skating, but we happened to have a club about 10 minutes away from our house. So, um, we tried it. I tried it with a friend and, uh, basically just liked going fast and, uh, it was a good fit. So, um, stuck with it. Love it, man. Likes going fast. It's, it, isn't it nice how at such a young age you can pick something that you love just on something so simple? I like going fast. Boom. Done. <laughs> now you're right. a three-time Olympian. That's all it took, right? No. So that is, uh, that is pretty cool. You know, as you said, you, you used, to, um, used to play hockey. How long did you play hockey for? Um, not too long. I played on and off, you know, until about fourth, fifth grade. Um, so, you know, probably, you know, just for four or five years when I was mm -hmm. little. Mm -hmm. And at what point did you realize, um, either realize or have to make the decision to s switch to speed skating and kind of really make that a big chunk of your life? Well, um, I mean, because hockey and skating conflict in seasons, it was mm -hmm. harder. It, you know, that choice came up fairly quick. But, you know, there's a lot of sports that I stuck with all the way throughout high school, including soccer. I was on swim team. I was in track and field and did some other um you know, a lot of other activities and sports. And uh, it was kind of a slow progression of like, okay, I got to give up this now. I got to give up that. As I, as I got better and more committed into speed skating, uh, there just wasn't really the time to, to focus or, you know, spend time on um, other sports. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it, it, was, um, it was kind of a slow progression, but, you know, hockey was probably one of the first to go just because it was such a conflicting season. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. All that, all that being in the winter. So I guess one, one thing I want to ask about that is what, you know, being so into sports, I mean, clearly it didn't sound like you had too much time in high school. Um, but you know, as long as you're staying active, you can't get in trouble, right? That's always a nice little cliche we like to talk about, but yeah. having and being in so many different sports and, and doing so many different things, did you ever notice 
maybe some of those strategies, mentalities, or, or even techniques kind of bleeding into speed skating or, or vice versa, kind of improving on what you've been, been learning there or anything like that? Um, I think so. I mean, just generally growing up, um, you know, playing sports and staying active, I think overall that helped, you know, whether it was doing intervals in track and cross country, like that definitely helped and translated to skating. Um, you know, being on the swim team, there's a lot of workouts and a lot of different, you know, concepts that would transfer. Like we'd still talk about the same things such as, um, you know, how you fatigue in a race, race strategy, visualization, all that stuff transfers. Um, so, you know, yeah, it's definitely like they all fed off each other. I'd say mm. pretty nicely. Um, uh, yeah, especially when you're younger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A hundred percent. Cause that's always something that you hear now, especially with parents, uh, you know, with almost like specialization into a sport, like, okay, your son's 10, like the chances he makes the MLB are pretty slim. He can probably play basketball in the winter. Right. Like, and mm. it ends up, you know, most of the athletes you see now, um, they did play a few different sports and they were able to kind of take that time off from their main sport just so mm-hmm. that they have the ability to kind of either A, clear their head or B, just learn something different and have fun in another way, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mm-hmm. think it's important to be balanced growing up, um, even if you're really committed to one sport, to just stay balanced as long as you can. 100%, man. 100%. Again, Brian Hansen, three-time Olympian. Let's get into that a little bit. So in 2010, uh, the first time you went to the Olympics, I guess... Tell us a little bit about qualifying the, for the Olympics. I mean, 2010, you're only, a, you know, not even a year older than me. So 2010, what, we were minus eight. You were you're 18 at the time? Uh, yeah, I was 19. 19 at the time. I mean, what was that like? Did you, did you go into qualifications with, you know, a big head or were you kind of a dark horse? Tell us a little about that and um, everything kind of surrounding it. Yeah, so Olympic trials was very, I mean, Olympic trials is always very nerve-wracking, um, no matter what situation you're in. Um, but yeah, in 20, 2010, I was looking to just get on the team basically. Um, and, you know, it started looking pretty realistic about a year or two out because, you know, I could, at that point in time, I could start seeing who exactly was going to be in my competition, what times they were doing. You know, I knew I had to be top four in the U S and my best chat was at the 1500 and, and like, you know, probably a year out, I was probably fifth, but like I could see that or fifth or sixth, but I could see that like, I was improving faster than some of the older guys. So, you know, you know, I, I, you could, you could kind of pinpoint what exactly you need to do. Um, and then, uh, and then, yeah, I made the fourth spot. Um, but yeah, it was very, <laughs> um, stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but also very exciting. So yeah, I was very happy to be able to get on that team. Exciting. Yes. Um, I could see that being slightly exciting. I mean, being one yeah. of the four best in the country is something is, is, is pretty amazing. So what, as you said, it was kind of about a year out when you realized, so that year would have been your senior year graduating into your freshman year of college. Did you take that time off to specifically focus on this or, mm-hmm. you know, tell, tell us about, you know, the training and everything necessary moving up to kind of from the realization that you could make the team to the realization that you could actually make the Olympics and then something mm-hmm. doing it. Um, yeah, so I mean, the end of my senior year, uh, you know, I, I competed in my first world championships. So I was just starting to do the, the senior level competitions in, in speed skating. Um, but, you know, it was also hard because it was the end of my senior year of high school. So, you know, there was like, I mean, there's kind of this, this difficult trade off of like, you know, everyone's finally having their last hurrah at high school and, mm-hmm. you know, going out and having fun and enjoying that summer and like 
for me, it was like, I'm gearing up for like the biggest summer of training that I've had, you know, of my life. Um, so, you know, I, I mean, I did find time to have fun when I could, but like at the same time, you know, I moved up to Milwaukee pretty quickly, um, from Chicago. So like I had to, you know, get into training mode and, uh, you know, and then that fall, like I took the entire, you know, next and that entire year off of school, um, just to focus on skating. You know, I traveled, I think I was on the road for nine weeks that fall on the world cups. Um, and that's where we earn our spot to, or it's kind of complicated how the Olympic trial process works, but you have to earn the spot for the United States and then you fill it. So basically throughout the fall, I spent a lot of that time earning the spot for the U S and then finally at the Olympic trials at the very end of it, all you have to fill it or in other words, finish top four Mm -hmm. at the U S Olympic trials. Mm -hmm. And how, how do we get four spots against three or two, I guess, how, how does that process work? Um, basically throughout the world cups, you have to be finishing, um, you know, high enough. You have to have like four guys in the U S that are finishing. I I forgot what the numbers were, but Mm -hmm. for example, it might Uh, be top 30. So if you get four guys finishing top 30, then you get four spots at the, uh, in the Olympics and every four years it, it switches and, um, you know, the exact rules flip around a little Mm -hmm. bit, but, um, that's the gist of how it works. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So you were able to help earn that spot and then you earned it for yourself as well. So that, that is pretty cool. So tell us about going to the Olympics. I mean, you won a silver medal there. That's incredible. But aside from the actual um, racing you did, tell us just about the atmosphere there, the feelings, the emotions. I mean, you're a 19 year old kid at the Mm -hmm. time. If 19 year old me was to go to something like that, my head would be gigantic. So I guess (laughs) tell us a little bit about kind of the emotions you were feeling. I mean, you were still pretty young at the time and just kind of like, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, just, just tell us about that experience. That's, that's insane. Yeah. So, I mean, like for one, I was just so happy to just make the team. Um, but, you know, also, you know, like some highlights for, you know, walking into opening ceremonies was just probably, you know, such an incredible moment. Cause I think that's the first time where it really feels real that you're there at the Olympics, um, you know, representing the U S and then, um, you know, I think, you know, my race went okay. My individual race went okay, but like to get to the team pursuit when, uh, we kind of came in as underdogs, although, you know, I saw that we had a small chance at a medal, but, um, we put down a really good race and we were paired against the Dutch who were heavily favored to win. And, you know, they made, you know, an error and, you know, we like, we took full advantage of, um, the moment. (laughs) Um, and we came, came out ahead of them. So, um, you know, if they just, you know, we basically put enough pressure on where if they made one small mistake, you know, we'd come out ahead and that's what happened. Um, and then that's what put us into the gold silver medal round. So that is awesome. That was definitely a nice way to cap off those games. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Dude, getting a silver medal, like getting that put around your neck and what was it like? I mean, stepping up on that podium at that, that point, did you have any podiums? Uh, you had a few podiums I'm assuming in your career, but nothing obviously to that magnitude. Yeah, nothing to that magnitude. Um, we we did have one world championship podium the year okay. before, but you know, the difference in competition changed a lot over the mm-hmm. year. So you know, everything flips around again, and you never know like what exactly is going to happen. Um, but yeah, coming in, you know, as my in my first games, also as like a little bit of underdogs in that race, and then walking away with a medal was 
was definitely awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, man, that is that is incredible coming in as underdogs and being second in the world at something. I think that's a that is a, that, that's a pretty cool cool way to finish your first games at 19 years old. I mean, that is just too too incredible, man. I love it. So what about so so then I noticed after after the Olympics, correct? You then went to the World Junior Championships, and I, I can't even I don't even know how many medals you won there. It looked like a you know I had to keep scrolling on the Wikipedia page. Let's just say <laughs> that. So so like, what was it then like? Did you take the momentum and and the confidence that you got from you know being one of the best in the world or something, and then kind of put that there? Or mm-hmm. you know tell tell us then about your next competition, your next international competition. So so then after I came back home. Um, and spent probably like I don't even know maybe a couple weeks training at home before I left for the last competition of the year which was junior worlds and that was in Moscow Russia um and that was really exciting because that was my last junior worlds um you know I was able to be junior world champion in two events the thousand and the 1500 um so not a whole lot of those guys at junior worlds I think there was maybe a couple other that also were at the Olympics, but um, not too many. So I think it was pretty exciting for me to be there. And a lot of the the Junior Worlds guys were pretty excited to, I think, you know, see me from from competing at the Olympics now to going to Junior Worlds. So, I mean, everyone there is pretty, like, high level for their age. Um, So, yeah, it was a great way to cap off the season. Absolutely. Yeah. I, w- I would say again, being, being a gold medalist in two different, um, two different disciplines. That's pretty, pretty fantastic. So one, one question I'm kind of curious about was, was the magnitude maybe not of the event, well, obviously of the event, but was, was the, maybe the adrenaline not pumping as much? Like what was it like going from the Olympics to then going to junior worlds soon after that, not to diminish what junior worlds yeah. means, but at the same time, just understanding, you know, you were just on the biggest stage, possible for 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 yourself essentially and then kind of going to something like this might not have the same luster and still being able to really take it run with it and as you know you did just absolutely crush it while you were there right yeah I mean, it's definitely a different feeling you know going from such a big competition to a smaller competition like that but you do kind of gotta just switch mindsets and say like okay that was like awesome that's like you know of course it's it's just that's the main thing everyone looks forward to doing in the sport, I think is, is the Olympics. But um, then there's also kind of this other gear where it's like you focus on, you know, what's big in the sport of speed skating. So it's not necessarily as big to the public, mm-hmm. but like within the sport, you know, it's still really exciting to be at junior worlds and to be going for these things that are known as like very prestigious inside the sport, even though like, you know, to an outsider, they're not going to understand really what junior worlds is, you know, maybe they get, get it a little bit, but you know, it's, it's still, um, it's exciting in its own way, but mm-hmm. it's just, it doesn't have the same feeling because the public knows less about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and naturally, and it is kind of yeah. unfortunate that that happens in a lot of, you know, we call them Olympic sports because that's the time they're, they're yeah. most known, which is unfortunate. I mean, but it's more of a public thing than it is anything. So it is what it is. Um, you're still able to go out and crush it and, I mean, it's just incredible, man. Your first games. So, so one question I like to ask, um, since you did have competitions prior to the Olympics, obviously was, I found there's almost like two different camps of, of athletes. Like one, you either take the Olympics and say, I've done this a hundred times. This is nothing different. Let's just go. And the other is let's take all this emotion. Let's take the adrenaline. Let's take the buzz and just kind of run with it. Which camp did you kind of find yourself in or, or, or maybe somewhere in between and kind of how you dealt with the emotions of being, you know, 30 million people on a nightly basis are watching you. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, I, I mean, I think it's hard, like, even if you wanted to treat the Olympics as if it's just another competition, it's really difficult to do that, you know, because of the whole process of going through making the team, you go through like 20 extra steps compared to a world mm -hmm. cup competition, you know, world cup competition. Um, the routine is super straightforward. You know, the drill, like, you know, when you get to the Olympics, um, the whole preparation process starts like, you know, five, six weeks out of, of formalities. Um, you know, you have, you got interviews, you got meetings, you got, um, and that this is like so, stuff you're not really used to because, you know, throughout a typical year, you might, you know, get a few interviews and, mm -hmm. and, you know, you might get, um, you know, all this external stuff is, is pretty minimal, but like about a month and a half before the Olympics, it just ramps up like crazy. And suddenly you have, you know, events and dinners and people that want to like meet with you before you leave. And then, um, you know, every practice is important. And like, so I guess what I'm saying is even if you try to, mm -hmm. um, to treat it like another competition, there's just so much, um, other, uh, events and mm -hmm. things going on. It's just, it's really hard to do that. hundred percent, hundred percent. So like when you're actually and that, that's poor on my, my spot. So thank you for answering it that way, because that's how I asked the question. Um, but, but more so, I guess from like when you're on the ice, when you're getting ready to go, what did you mm -hmm. kind of mentally either tell yourself, like, let's go, this is the Olympics. Or did mm -hmm. you think you're like, let's just do the regular stuff. I do this every day. This isn't a big deal. Kind of how, how did sure, you feel sure. about it when actually racing as well? Right. I mean, no, I understood your question. I, you know, I think it is hard though to um, like, I mean, mm -hmm. I try to, um, I think it's good to like go into the race as if it's um, just another mm -hmm. world cup, especially if you have your routine down and that sort of thing. Um, you know, sometimes, I think, you know, we're looking, you're when you're looking for a big performance and you can really like feed off the crowd, then, then I think that strategy is for you. So for me, um, you know, I'd say like, I mean, I enjoy a, a big crowd and, you know, I think I try to use the energy to my advantage. Um, but you know, it's gone both ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, like I think like in Vancouver, it went really well, you know, and even in Sochi, it went, I'd say fairly well, although, you know, I could have had, um, some better performances, but, um, you know, I, I like, I like to treat the Olympics as if like, you know, it's a really special competition. Um, but, uh, my mentality at the starting line, I guess, is just, is just like it would be for any other race. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Absolutely makes sense. I like that a lot. So, um, 2010, as we said, made your first Olympics at 19. You went to world, uh, world junior championships. Absolutely fantastic there. You also made the games in 2014 and in 2018, this past, past run. Tell us a little bit about maybe, um, either of those, each of those, however you want to tell the story, um, kind of about the, the qualifying, the years running up to it. And then also being at the games, I guess, let's start with, uh, mm -hmm. 2014. Mm -hmm. Um, so 2014, uh, you know, at that point, I trained pretty much straight through from 2010 all the way to 2014. Um, and, you know, I was progressing a lot within like the world cups and the non-Olympic years. Um, I was getting PBs and uh, the year leading up to the Olympics, uh, you know, I, I had a good amount of podiums as well. Like the prior year I won my first world cup and then 
um, the year of the Olympics. Uh, I only went to two World Cups, but I was medaling in the 1,000 and 1,500 at, um, at those World Cups. So, you know, I felt that things were looking pretty good um, to, to give myself a shot at the podium in Sochi. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think I finished uh, seventh and ninth. Um, you know, my hope was definitely to finish top three. So, you know, it was kind of hard in, in some respects, but um, that's also that's, that's how the Olympics are in a way. Like, you know, it's very uh, fragile <laughs> mm-hmm, in some mm-hmm. ways. Um, like, you know, you could, it's a lot of preparation for one race that can just not go your way. Um, even if you've been competing well all season. Um, and there's people that have gotten a lot more unlucky than me. Um, so, you know, I'd say it it just didn't go the direction I'd hope where, you know, some people find themselves where they're winning every world cup for the past, like three years. And then they lose at the Olympics for, because they had a bad race, they slipped, you know, something happened. So, Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I guess the, just the nature of an Olympic sport and, uh, and, you know, I think what you can learn from that is it's like, it's hard to put too much. It's, I don't think it's good to put too much pressure and everything on the Olympics, even though like the Olympics, I think for most athletes are the biggest thing and the most important thing of the career. But, you know, at the same time, it's just hard to invest too much emotionally in that. And just to maintain, you know, that you're a good athlete and that you've done good things, you know, outside the Olympics and leading up to the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that that completely makes sense. Um, And, you know, as you said, it's not great to put the emotion into it. I can understand why people do. Uh, But at the same time, yeah, I mean, there's so many things that are actually out of your control, that it's just it would be so unfortunate if you based your whole career on one possible event. Um, When in reality, as you said, there's so many other things, especially within your sport that are going on that, you know, if you're winning World Cups, you're still one of the best in the world. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, you didn't win at the Olympics where the most eyeballs are on it. But at the same time, that doesn't diminish what you did the previous three years and six months. So, you know, it's definitely something that, you know, it's a great way to look at it. It is unfortunate, obviously, that you didn't um, do exactly what you set out to do. But at the same time, being seventh in the world is, is still pretty incredible at such a high event. So we, uh, you know, we appreciate obviously you putting on the stars and stripe every day. Well, thank you. No, 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 man. Thank you. Thank you. So obviously again, 2014, not your best. Um, you know, so what did after that, after those games, was there anything that ran through your mind, um, about competing at 2018? Was that just a hundred percent? Of course you were going to do it. Or was that something that you kind of wrestled with yourself with it for a little bit? Um, yeah. So at that time I wasn't really sure, what, how would it, what exactly I wanted to do? I wanted to go to school and finish, finish college. Um, so, you know, I thought I, I had in the back of my mind that I might come back. Um, but so I decided to go to school at university of Colorado Boulder. I took two more years off, um, of skating, uh, to finish school. And then, uh, and then when I came back, I kind of came back with a little bit different of a attitude for the sport. You know, I tried to, um, I tried to kind of uh, keep training a little bit more fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll put it that way. Uh, I tried to um, focus less on perfecting the workout in terms of like heart rate and intervals and just find workouts that I was motivated to do in and of themselves. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and my mentality was that like, if I could find the right workouts that I just naturally want to be motivated to do that, that way, like I can get the most out of my workouts as well. Like I'll have better trainings that way. Um, so, so, you know, I did, I definitely progressed, but I think part of the difficulty was that after taking two years off, it was really hard to get back in shape, the shape that I was in. Um, you know, most skaters won't take any years off. Some take one years off and very rarely two will take, or very rarely they'll take two years off. So, um, two years was a long time, especially from competing at like, you know, that kind of level. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it was, it was hard to do, but, um, you know, I'd say at the very end of it, I was probably back or I felt back to, um, back to the shape that I was in. Although, um, my results at the Olympics, um, were kind of just, I'd say they were okay. <laughs> um, you know, I, I didn't have any world cup podiums, uh, as I did leading up to 2014, but you know, I was making a lot of progress time-wise and, um, in some other ways. So, um, so I'd say, you know, I was happy with like the comeback, but you know, it, I guess it was just a really demanding, uh, demanding ask to mm -hmm. try to get back all the way to the level that I was at back in 2014. Yeah. Um, I mean, especially with taking two years off. Exactly. Yeah. Stopping for a little while and then trying to come back all the way. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a two year chunk as you, you alluded to when you say take off though, I'm just kind of curious what that means. Does that mean no international competition, no competition at all? I mean, obviously you put mm -hmm. your skates on at some point, right? But like what exactly does take off mean? Um, no, I literally skated one day really year for wow two i had two that sessions is incredible and so doing something so long in your life was it easy was that something you specifically set out to do was to not skate or was it just something where you were kind of just like you know i'm i'm good at this point um so well i'd figured um you know after skating for so long you know it's a lot of it is kind of just ingrained like mm -hmm. technically um you know, what I think I lost most on was actually strength and conditioning probably died down mm -hmm. a lot just because I just wasn't working out nearly as much. Um, you know, I actually joined the ski team at University of Colorado. Very cool. Um, the club ski team. So I just wanted kind of a fresh perspective and like to do something different. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed just competing on more of like a low key level. And uh, like, it was just a fun team. Everyone was out, you know, they, they were guys that mostly competed in high school and just trying to have fun. And, you know, I always, I enjoy skiing. So I was like, you know, I, I think it'd be fun to just try a completely different sport and see, um, what kind of perspective it, it brings, I guess. Um, so I did that, you know, I did some mountain biking and some road biking and that's how I stayed a little bit in shape, but like my training volume was probably one third mm -hmm. to a quarter of, of what I do in a typical Olympic year. Um, mm -hmm. so, you know, I, I definitely wasn't in, in good shape. I just, you know, you know, I, I just kind of maintained it a little bit, but, um, but yeah, I definitely, my, my, uh, my fitness definitely took a hit over those two years. So it took some time to get back. Mm -hmm. And, and let's just, just, uh, let's be very honest. I'm sure you were still in great shape. Um, I'm sure it's not yeah. like you let yourself go, but yeah, training however many hours a day for something is a little different than kind of just going out and enjoying yourself occasionally. Right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> exactly. True. Exactly. So was taking that time off, did that kind of 
did that help? Did that hinder? What was that like? I mean, obviously you then went to the 2018 game. So clearly it wasn't the worst possible thing you could have done, but did that kind of replenish your love for speed skating, not doing it for so long? Did you come back almost out of necessity or requirement kind of, you know, taking such a big time off and not actually doing, you know, something that you've done for the previous, let's call it almost what, 20 years at that point, kind of Mm -hmm. what was that like to then just like jump back into it and Mm -hmm. kind of learn to ride your bike again? (laughs) Well, um, it definitely, it definitely took some time to get back into the mentality of it all. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, what I, I, I'd compare it to like, you know, you sometimes I think most people know what it's like to be like really involved in like some sort of project and then if you just stop for the day or for the week or something and then it's sometimes it's really hard to remember where you mm-hmm. the things you were working on where how to pick it back up like you know where exactly you were on it um it almost felt like that like a really big project where like you know you constantly have something you want to work on when you're when you're really involved with something you're like uh you know you have a little bit of a list of like okay like you know next i'd like to fix fix this I want to improve this you know like I want to you know try something different um and then and then when you just take two years off it's just like you kind of forget about that list of what you were working on so I think that was actually one of the hardest things was like getting back into the mentality of like um you know what exactly do I want to try different like like because I I kind of lost my where my starting point um Mm -hmm. or where where I was at um, so I needed to regain the, like the, the base level of like skating and say, okay, this is where I'm at. This is where I want to go. Um, you know, think new things I want to try new things, um, like new, new techniques, new mm-hmm. equipment, you know, and, and that sort of thing. So, um, I guess that took a little bit of time to like get back in the swing of things and say, um, and, and do it to, to, to do it twice a day. Um, mm. you know which I guess it doesn't feel like a lot when you're already, when you've been doing it for a while, but then after taking two years off to get back into two a day training. So was, that took probably like two months before I was like actually in the mentality of trying to do that type of training. Mm-hmm. And then, so you were able to take two months off, or two years off, graduate mm-hmm. from school. Congratulations on that. And then come back and start to, and, and get back into the swing of things. And you were able to then, make it to the 2018 games you're able to qualify mm-hmm. and, and do all that how big of a comp of an accomplishment do you feel like that is considering obviously you went to to two olympics prior but mm-hmm. you were training for however many years straight after that for this one you took your time and did your thing so what was that like and did you still have the confidence that you had going into the trials uh that year this year uh, yeah um it was actually very a very nerve-wracking trials um you know i really you know, I had a good idea of what would happen. They changed the, the qualification procedures around. So they actually made it a little bit more difficult to make the Olympic team because, um, basically instead of having four spots per distance, now we're down to three spots per distance. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was definitely, um, you know, very, very nerve wracking and it was a one shot deal. Um, basically if you get on the line and you, you know, you slip, you get injured, you like, I don't know. There's a lot of things that could go, you kick a block, you get DQ'd. Like there's a lot of things that could go wrong and you don't really get, um, like that's it. That's, that was your mm-hmm. chance. Um, so 
so yeah, you know, I was really happy to just be able to make the team. Um, it was looking like I was gonna get in the second or third spot. Um, but you know, you never know until the race is over. So hundred percent. So yeah, definitely happy to be able to make that. Heck yeah. And we're happy you were there to represent us, man. We appreciate that one more time. So Mr. Three Time Olympian, if you don't mind comparing and contrasting maybe those three Olympics, obviously being relatively or very young in the first one and now kind of this 2018 games, you know, eight years older being mm-hmm. to another Olympics, being two more Olympics, kind of what was it like either with the way that you went about the games, the way that you went about the, the process and everything involved, the media, really mm-hmm. any of that stuff? Because I think it's really unique when we have someone on that's been to three different games because you can kind of hear them talk about the progression of what they've done and how they mm-hmm. either got more or less interested in the event or more or less interested in, in the spectacle as itself. So if you don't mind just talking to that for a couple mm-hmm. minutes. Um, yeah, so, you know, I think part of my mentality going into these games was one thing I wanted to do was to try to not get too caught up in all the external stuff at the games. Um, you know, so the, the, for previous games, there's like just some things that I, I tried to do that as part of the excitement of the games, like that involves a lot of like running around, you know, you know, I'd know I'd, I knew I didn't really want to walk anywhere to like or walk too far to do an interview. I didn't want to, uh, you know, if opening ceremonies was going to be too much of an ordeal and it was too close to my race, I didn't really want to do that. You know, so I basically I just said to myself, I don't want to get too involved with anything that might affect my race. Um, you know, so, for example, in Sochi, um, I ended up standing a while for opening ceremonies, which like, you know, I guess it's it's not too big of a deal, but it it just kind of can throw off like your training program, especially when you're not used to like standing up for an hour and a half or two hours, you know, in between your lead up to the race, like at a world cup, we just kind of like lay around those two days and you don't do much at all. Like, so I just wanted to mimic exactly what I would do at a world cup. And Mm -hmm. that involves not like doing all these external Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. things that you do at the Olympics. Um, so for example, so for one thing I did is I skipped opening ceremonies, even though it's like one of my favorite things. And I like, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, it's really good to go to, but in this one time, I just wanted to skip it to make sure my lead up was the same. Um, you know, because I knew at the end of the day, the performance was going to be the big thing and I had a race not too far out from it. Um, so, so, you know, that was one change I made, um, you know, I really wanted to make sure that, you know, my eating was good. And, you know, I, like, I tried my best to, um, to just mimic a routine that I do as a lead up to any other race. Um, so I picked one of my best races that I had about four years ago, and I had every day planned out, um, as to mimic it because, um, I write down all my workouts in a calendar and uh i had every written or my entire lead out up to that good race was written down and so i tried to mimic it exactly basically saying like okay i know this day i want to rest this day i want to work hard and then so i mimicked it at the games um and the lead out actually turned out pretty good i think um my actual in-race performance was was what was like probably subpar compared to um compared to like the lead up itself mm-hmm. 
Interesting. Yeah. And that, that's, uh, that's, it's always, it's always great to kind of hear what the difference is in some of these games. And another thing, I guess, from, from let's actually go to the external view for a second. Like you in the first one, you were 19 and this past one, you're a three-time Olympian. You're kind of like the, the wily veteran at this point. Like what was it like either speaking with some of the other athletes that you've seen a couple different times now, or even some of the younger ones that almost looked up to you, what was that relationship like? And kind of what did you, what was the give and take on that front? Um, yeah, I mean, to, well, to be honest, there's only a few athletes younger than me, um, on, in the speed skating or mm-hmm. on the long track team. Um, but you know, I, I just told them, you know, like where I think, um, the emphasis should be put at the Olympics, like, you know, what's important, where is it important to focus and where is it important to have fun? Um, you know, like, I think sometimes it's really easy to get like, it can be easy to get down about something that like you might've missed out on. And then just to like, kind of take a step back and put yourself in perspective that like you're here, you're at the games, like you're, you're, this is the experience. Um, so like to be grateful, I guess. And, uh, um, you know, and also like, you know, sometimes, you know, it's like little things like, things that the media might be talking about. They might be talking up one person and down another person. And it just feels like such a big deal at the time of like, if the media talks you up or talks you down or like, you don't get asked any questions at all. Like, you know, and to say, well, you know, I beat them out. Like, and they're not, Mm -hmm. their results were never there and they're getting asked all the questions or something like that. And, uh, you know, I think every Olympic athlete goes through that a little bit, but, um, unless unless you're Michael Phelps um (laughs) but you know I think that's where it's like it's important to just say like like you're doing you're doing what you set out to do and uh you know whether or not like the media or you know something happens like at the games like I think you know you're just you're making the best experience that you can and you're trying your best to compete your best so Mm -hmm. I think that's what's important yeah, and and again, you've been there a couple of times, so you clearly you know just a little bit more than most people. So I think that is super cool. So, what about twenty twenty two? Four years away. Are you taking some time off? Are you considering it? Kind of, I guess, tell us a little bit about what's going to happen over the next three years and change, um, potentially leading up to the the twenty twenty two games. Um, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, right now, I'm actually not really sure. Um, you know, I'm I'm trying hard to figure out uh, my job situation. Uh, as you know, I'm going to stay involved with the sport. I'm going to coach a local club right now. Um, I really haven't been training a whole lot to be honest. Um, so I'm fairly out of shape. Uh, but you know, if I do find myself in the right job situation, I may make a run for the next games, but you know, I just think the first thing is to figure out, um, how exactly, you know, to find myself like kind of more stable career. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, uh, and then maybe make a run for the next games. So Very cool. you know, I have a lot of goals that I'd like to see happen within the sport of speed skating, you know, in and out of the Olympics. And that includes, you know, being a coach and working on um, something more of like a, a speed skating program, um, you know, so trying to get more kids involved and like trying to expand the sport in different ways. Um, so those are some of my goals, though, unrelated, I guess, with the Olympics um or slightly unrelated as some of those kids may be an olympian you know um Mm -hmm. but uh yeah i guess i just decided i wanted to focus on um on the sport in different ways uh and to focus on 
you know, finding, I guess, like a little bit of stability in a career. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. That is definitely one thing that, um, a lot of Olympians I found out do, do struggles one word for some, um, others, I guess, wrestle with kind of, you know, your Mm -hmm. post-career career, you know, you've been doing something for so long and now you're pretty much told, well, okay, this is, that was it. And now, you know, go figure out something else to do. Thanks so much. And, and one thing that I, I, I think, you know, hopefully will change one of these days. And I'm going to keep asking is, is just the monetary aspects of, you know, your sport specifically, or, or some of the situations that you found yourself in. I think it's crazy that most athletes and, and hopefully you're different, but you pretty much just get a pat on the back and, you know, a thank you, you know, you've represented us three different times on the biggest possible sports stage, let alone all the other sporting events and that international events that you've represented us at. And I always feel like there's more that's needed. So I guess if you don't mind, I get just, just taking a little bit of time and really talking about the monetary aspects of kind of what you've seen over the last, what, nine years, give or take being on the mm-hmm. USA team representing us in, in these uh, competitions and events. And I guess really just what you've seen, how it's either grown or, or how, how much more you'd like to see it improve. Mm-hmm. Sure. I mean, so you know, the, I'd say that, you know, there's several efforts. The USOC does, you know, have a funding and a stipend program that they hand out to athletes. I'd say generally speaking, I, I think most athletes and most people would agree that it's, it's not really enough to, it's not enough to be, uh, to provide a stable career or to, um, you know, you can, to really live off of comfortably. Um, you know, even if you're competing really well. So, you know, the trick is if you're really good, like you're sweeping all the events and like you're gonna, it looks like you're going to win multiple medals at the Olympics, then you might find yourself in a position where you can be like, you can be living off of it. But if you're anything shy of that, um, you know, it's really not enough. Um, especially in the sport of speed skating or in some of these sports where it doesn't, it doesn't have either enough, enough amateurs in the sport to provide for sport sponsors and things like that. And it also doesn't have the TV following. So I think with one of the two, it it might work where like you could find your way to make a living in the sport. Um, And I think that's, that's one area that I, you know, want to change just a little bit, not like, I don't think I'm going to make a, you know, make it into a mainstream sport, but you know, I do think that there can be some, some changes that can go a long way. Um, in terms of providing more stability in the sport. Um, and I think just bringing in more amateur athletes uh, and, and you know, having a little bit bigger of a community, um, I think that could help a lot, uh, you know, in a lot of different ways. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely tricky. Um, you know, I think a lot of the athletes, uh, you know, they'll resort to coaching after, which I think is definitely a good option. Um, but, you know, at the same time, yeah, it's, it's just the reality of the sport is that it's, um, it's difficult to make a, you know, a, a comfortable living, but it's a good life. So mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a trade-off. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. It, it, there could be, you could be doing worse things. Um, right. let's, yeah. let's be very honest about yeah. that. But at the same time, again, you, um, I, I, I agree with you. Um, that stipend is not enough, especially the numbers that I've heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, every sport is going to be different, especially when, it, as you said, the 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 two factors of how many amateur athletes there are, as well as viewership. I've also always bring more money. That's just the way it is. It, it's it's an it's a necessary evil at this point. But you know, it's just you know we we, we appreciate it. Um, not that that does much for your bank account, but you know, hopefully, uh, you know, you 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 can take that to the um, inspirational bank. 
and uh, you know, hopefully cash that check a little bit. So sincerely, uh, one more time, Brian Hansen, three-time Olympian, silver medalist, here on our athletes hanging out with us. Brian, thank you so much, man. We sincerely appreciate you know you being here, and uh, you know, obviously, again, one more time, you know, you representing our country um, at the highest level. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Our Athletes with Brian Hansen. As I said, very interesting story. He has a lot going on. He's done so much in his life. I mean, he's only 27, 20, not even 28, depending on when you're listening to this. I mean, it's pretty incredible what he's already been able to accomplish, and he has so much more to look forward to moving forward. So thank you guys again. Sincerely appreciate it. Please follow Brian on all of his socials. They'll be in the show notes. Please follow us at ourathletes.us on Instagram. If you have any questions for us or if you want to talk to me directly, my email is michael at ourathletes.us. Check out the website, ourathletes.us. Um, but other than that, if you guys don't mind, like, subscribe, share, review, comment, tell your friends about it because I think our Olympic athletes deserve a little more recognition. So thank you guys so much. Sincerely, sincerely appreciate your time and I hope you have a wonderful day.